Welcome to From Betrayal to Breakthrough. I'm Dr. Debbie Silber, and today's guest is Brittany Blomsterberg. And Brittany is an intuitive healer who enjoys supporting her clients and connecting to their true essence and living their best life. Her advanced degrees in psychology and marriage and family therapy created a powerful foundation of expertise prior to her immersion into spirituality. Brittany is the owner of a successful holistic healing business that incorporates spiritual coaching, Reiki energy healing, healing, and yoga. She supports clients in person as well as remotely, many even internationally. You can learn more about Brittany through her website, brittanyblomsterberg.org. And you're going to love this episode with Brittany. She's going to be talking about all that was gained through her darkest moments. I know, sounds counterintuitive, but you'll see what I mean. She's such a bright light and I can't wait for you to meet her. Here we go. I am so excited to have Brittany Blomsterberg with us today. I saw her picture and I have to tell you, just even looking at her, she is such a bright light between Mm. her experience, her expertise. I'm just so excited for our chat today. So welcome, Brittany. Hi, Debbie. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so delighted to be here. You know, what I love about even the title of this episode is falling in love with our darkness. And normally your response is fall in love with darkness. What? Why in the world would I do that? But I know you have a personal story and let's just get started there. Sure. So personal story, you mean around, around betrayal and that experience for Mm -hmm. me? Yeah. So for me, one of my biggest impacting moments of my life was realizing that I was in an extremely emotionally abusive relationship. This is in my mid twenties and I was simultaneously going to school for marriage and family therapy. I had a bachelor's in psychology and yet I still found myself in this relationship and throughout the relationship, it was very confusing and I was believing that something was wrong with me and I was unsure as to what to do about the situation and where to go. And I just, I found myself repeatedly feeling horrible about myself and there was definitely cheating going on and putting me down and just really heightening those insecurities. Mm -hmm. And it started from the very beginning and, and we can go into red flags later if you want. But Mm -hmm. during the situation, I knew something was off, like energetically, I could feel it, but I didn't have the language and I didn't understand exactly what that was. Mm -hmm. But, you know, constant put downs and telling me that he's putting me down in front of other people because he doesn't want other people to see how great I am. And in my mind at the time, I, I was really empathetic and understanding as a more of a therapist mindset. So I was thinking, oh, well, I'm so happy that he's being so honest with me, not really taking into account how that affects me as a person mm-hmm. and that I am in this situation with this person that's making me feel about five feet tall. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just started to lose myself through there. And I felt very trapped and I didn't really realize what was going on until I found myself crying on the bathroom floor mm-hmm. and I'd had a conversation with my dad and he had said the word abuse. Mm-hmm. And I was like, no, no, no. You know, I kind of sh- shrugged it off. This is an abusive. I don't know what you're talking about. But that little tiny word just started to permeate and I started to really think about it. And I started to look at all the dots 
and connect them. And I knew the cycle of abuse and it started to make sense. So that's when I realized that this is an abusive relationship and I need to get out of it. And how long from the time you recognized this as some form of abuse till the time you got out of it? What was the time frame there? <laughs> too too long. <laughs> <laughs> that's um, what we I always mean, hear. <laughs> <laughs> right? You know, that's what's interesting too, is that I, I realized that it was abusive, but being in a situation where you are so integrated with this other person and your mind is definitely a mind shift there. So it took me probably another year. Mm-hmm. I did try leaving him once and then I got back together with mm-hmm. him thinking, oh, I can open the door and I can be friends. He's having a hard time. He'd start, you know, he's crying and upset. And so I ended up going back with him. And it took me another six months after I got back together with him to mm-hmm. finally leave and, and shut that door completely. So I would say about a year. And you know, Brittany, what's so interesting about what you're saying is it's not unique. This is what I hear all the time where we know something, it just doesn't feel right, but we're so enmeshed in this relationship and we've we've lost ourselves to some extent that we've completely shut down our intuition. And, you know, our intuition may be trying to get our attention saying, hey, this isn't right. You deserve better. You, you know, this, this is not in your best interest, but we really turn that down and it takes a while. And I think it's because we believe, you know, so much in the other person and we believe in the goodness in people and we, we make excuses or rationalizations or whatever it is, but it does take that amount of time, almost like to get out from underneath the water and say, Hey, you know what? I can think a little bit more clearly, see a little bit more clearly. This, this is not in my best interest. So what happened then? I mean, I I think you nailed it. It definitely, there is an enmeshment there and it's an, an identity, you know, like losing your identity. And if you start to become one with this other person who doesn't have your best interest, you know, you can get very easily lost. So my rock bottom I felt was when I, I was sitting there and I started thinking of what I value. And one of the things that I value is trust. And it's interesting because I definitely wasn't trusting myself in this situation for a long mm-hmm. time, but at least in a relationship, I had some framework from my studies and from my experience as a therapist. And as I was in it, I was thinking, you know, if there's no trust in this relationship, then we don't have a relationship. Mm. If this is something that I was realizing that we're never going to have. I'm never going to trust him. So why am I here? And that mm. question and that switch was what allowed me to finally leave along with some very heavy duty support from my stepmom, from my family, my mom, my dad, I luckily have a, a really close knit family. And that's what was interesting too, is that for someone so close or my, with my family being so close with me and them feeling uncomfortable with him should have, you know, also been a sign for me, but at least, you know, I say should have, and mm-hmm. I do trust that it's exactly how it was supposed to be. Um, and I'm grateful for them and for their insight and for sharing that with me over and over again until I finally got it. And then being there for me when I needed them the most. Yeah. And I want to just touch on two things that you said, trust and support. And when it comes to betrayal, there's this trust is such a gigantic 
piece of this because when we're betrayed, it's never from people we don't know. It's from people we're the closest to. So Mm -hmm. we don't trust, obviously, we don't trust our betrayer. And so often we lose trust in ourselves because here we are, we're like, well, I'm this bright person. How did I not know this, see this, understand this, get out of this, whatever. So we don't even, mm-hmm. we don't even trust ourselves. And it's interesting in the study that I did on how women experience betrayal, this was the moment where we don't trust our betrayal. We don't trust ourselves. One of the ways to rebuilding trust was you can't instantly trust a betrayer again or ourselves. This is where I saw so many participants. And this is, this was the case with me too, really moving towards spirituality or something bigger where it's like, okay, well, at least I can trust in God, the universe source, whatever. And it was a way to dip their toe into trust again. And how did you start trusting again? What was the process for you? That's a really great question. During that experience with him, I had started to feel like something was missing. I mean, aside from everything that was going on in the relationship itself, just personally. And I started to really get interested in spirituality and religion and theology. Mm -hmm. And I had never really been exposed to that much growing up. So I didn't have a great framework for it. And I just decided, you know, I I really love to learn. I'm just going to delve. So I bought as many books as I possibly could on every single religion and spirituality that you can imagine and just started reading and started talking to people in that field and ended up going to Thailand for a month to immerse myself as well because I fell in love with Eastern thought as I started going through this book, like Taoism and Buddhism and Hinduism. And I love the practices that they held and as I started connecting with that and started to find my own mentors and spiritual leaders, I call them. So this includes Gabrielle Bernstein was a big one, mm-hmm. Eckhart Tolle, Brene Brown, Deepak Chopra. I mean, I just started to fall in love with all of them as well. And as that grew and my practices grew around spirituality, because I, for me, that's that's a big component of it. It wasn't just a belief. It was actively surrendering and actively listening to myself. And so it did, it helped me to build trust in something larger than me and trust Mm -hmm. that this was part of something bigger, part of my purpose, part of what was going to help me be a better support system and be a better clinician or now a better coach in the future. Um, But be basically being able to better support others. Right. And so as I started to to delve into that, I felt very connected and it was connecting to something bigger. It wasn't necessarily something outside of me. Mm-hmm. It was me because I believe I'm connected to everything else. So it was really beginning to trust in that, which then allowed me to trust myself again. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And it's so consistent with with what the study just showed. And it was interesting because even with a lot of the, the study participants, they could have even been religious and they moved towards the spiritual side of their religion or abandoned religion completely and moved towards spirituality. It was really this for, for those two reasons, to feel the sense of connectedness to something bigger and to learn to trust again. So it's beautiful that you found that. How did it change how you looked at your situation? It took me feeling empathic for myself first. Mm -hmm. I started being gentle with me and I started to acknowledge that there was nothing wrong with me. That in fact, there was 
that this, this was a, the person that I was with was dealing with his own demons mm-hmm. and his own insecurities and projecting it. And he was only doing what he knew best to be able to find love for himself. And now it didn't took me a while to get to that place. So I was very angry for a long time. And that was a big piece too, of allowing myself to feel that anger because it supported me in being angry for myself, being able to use that feeling to make a change, to love myself enough to leave. Right. So, so yeah, that was a big part. And I love that you're honoring the anger piece because I think, especially women, we feel we, we shouldn't be angry. We should just get over it and forgive. And the anger is an important piece because things need to be unearthed, dealt with, looked at completely. And when someone does something so hurtful, so harmful, it hurts. And just to deny mm. ourselves that feeling, I mean, that that is a recipe for stress-related diseases. I've seen it over and over and over again. But once you are able to look at it, and sure, you get angry, but then from that place, that's a wonderful place to start making sense and then making meaning out of it, which it sounds like you, you absolutely came to. And then eventually that leads to, and it sounds like in your case, it led to forgiveness. I, I'd love to talk about forgiveness because it's such a beautiful topic, but it, it means so many different things to so many people. So can we talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. I I do want to touch, which I think this leads into forgiveness. I want to touch on what you mentioned about anger, because I think I absolutely agree, especially with women, that we feel that it's either an uncomfortable emotion or it's an emotion that we are socialized not to be able to experience or that it's wrong or bad or something negative associated that I I don't see emotions as negative. They are just emotions. Mm -hmm. And anger can be super powerful as long as the, any emotion be, doesn't become you, you know, you don't completely become that, but it does, it allows you to advocate for yourself. And in this case, it allowed me to advocate for me. And at first there was a lot of anger towards him. And then it turned inward towards me, which then led me to have to experience forgiveness for myself. And that, that has been a lifelong journey, you know, forgiving myself for not listening to myself mm-hmm. And entering into a situation where I, I could feel that it wasn't supportive of me, but I did it anyway. And forgiving myself for not honoring my little girl, you know, mm-hmm. that part of me that I have to advocate for for myself. And forgiving him for just doing, again, what he was modeled to him and what he knew to do best. Mm-hmm. So it, it wasn't an overnight shift. And I'm sure this has been told many, many times. This is what I've heard as well, but it's so very true. Forgiveness isn't for the other person. It's to release us mm-hmm. from Absolutely. holding on to that. So yes, the story needed to be told multiple times and I needed to be able to allow myself to feel in order for me to get to a genuine place of forgiveness versus the fake it till you make it, you know? And you know what? And that's such an important piece. And I I want everybody listening to really understand when you rush 
forgiveness, there's this, this rule actually it's called, I think it's called the if then rule of forgiveness. When you forgive and you feel safe and valued, you actually feel better when you forgive and you don't feel safe and valued, you feel worse. And I think what happens is sometimes when we rush into it, because we think we should, we haven't given ourselves the opportunity to feel safe, to feel valued, to let time do what it needs to do. And we don't feel really Mm -hmm. good about it. So I think there's something really important about honoring that time. How did it affect your practice? How did it affect your work? The forgiveness piece or just the... Yeah, and the betrayal. Because I imagine, I mean, here you are doing psychology and marriage and family therapy work. (laughs) How did you bring your experience and what you gained from it into the work that you do? That's a great question. I transitioned from therapy into coaching during that entire transition with Mm -hmm. him I had, I think, one more year that I spent uh, practicing as, as a therapist, and then I transitioned into coaching. And first and foremost, it allowed me to have complete empathy deeper than anything else. I do believe that there's so many healers that can support others without having to have gone through that exact experience. You know, we all are human and we all have these emotions and we can relate from there to be able to support and I do believe that this particular situation helped me so much in being able to support others in the abuse cycle, especially women who feel like they're extremely strong and intellectual and how can I get here? How did this happen? You know, I, I do feel that this has supported me empathetically, but also in being able to really understand the thought processes and, and things that occur when it comes to the abuse cycle as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With women, especially we're so capable. So we just keep going and going and doing and doing until we can. And it's something so powerful as a crash, whether it's mm-hmm. a betrayal or some sort of trauma that really opens us up. And I remember there's some, I'll botch this up for sure, but it's something like when something's broken, that's when the light can shine in. And it sounds like that Mm -hmm. was absolutely the case with you. And this is the beauty of it, because look at how your experience benefits then all within your care and reach, because you can't help take that experience into the people that you touch because you, you feel on such a deep level. You were talking about empathy. That's exactly what it is. You you know, the pain, you know, what you went through, you see somebody else going through something. You, You can't help but share that. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I don't pretend to think that just because I went through something like this, that I understand someone else's experience. Anyone who's going through abuse, there's definitely themes. And I'm sure you've seen this too, Debbie, in your work with betrayal, that there's definitely themes and consistencies. And at the same time, I do really believe that we all have our own unique experiences within that. But I do like to hold space for everyone to be able to have their story and their part of it, you know, that may be different than mine but I can relate to them on that, you know, betrayal and forgiveness and sadness and hurt and the pain that that you go through when you, you experience a trauma like that. Yeah, absolutely. Brittany, what do you want to make sure everybody knows before we wrap up? One, it's so important to listen to your intuition. You know, in hindsight, it's much easier to go back (laughs) and say, okay, this was absolutely (laughs) right in my face, not supportive of me. And sometimes it's not. A lot of times the abuse starts gradually 
and you don't realize it till you're in it. And mm-hmm. mine was a little bit of both, but I like to support people in this process, but I do believe we all have an intuitive component that we can tap into and it looks different for other people. You know, some get to experience that, you know, they feel like gut feeling, trust that, listen to that. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if you can't rationalize it in that moment, there is a reason that you are feeling that way. And same goes for emotions. If you're feeling an emotion, if you're feeling anger or sadness or something going on and it feels off, whether that's, again, energetically or emotionally, to me, that is like in a check engine light that's coming out in your car. That was shared to me by a friend, and I love that metaphor. Mm -hmm. It's a check engine light. It's telling you something that you need to pay attention to to support your entire system. So listen to it. Check in with it. Be curious about it. Don't avoid it. Don't be mad at it. Don't disregard it. That is your own intuitive way of being able to protect yourself, support yourself, and making sure you're guided to what's going to be most loving for you. Mm-hmm. So that that's a big piece. And I have practices for that. If you want me to share those. Sure. I was going to share a couple of practices. Um, Absolutely. So can, can use it. So first and foremost, make sure that you are tapping into your breath, you know, to tap into your breath is to be able to tap into that intuitive self. So even if you just stopped and take, you know, five conscious breaths before you get in the car or on your way to work, or you don't have to have this full on 10 minute meditation, but something where you can, you know, close your eyes. So maybe not while you're driving (laughs) and put your hand on your heart and connect with yourself. And from that space, you can ask yourself anything, you know, what would be most supportive me in this moment? What is my intuition trying to tell me? Ask yourself leading questions that guide you in the direction that you want to go. And I also recommend as well, I mean, if you like to journal, journaling is always supportive. So take the time, you know, this, before I say this, this entire podcast, my, the title of this, right, was, was falling in love with our darkness. Mm-hmm. So this is about loving all the parts of yourself, those insecure parts or the jealousy, the anger, whatever that might look like for you, because those are all parts of what make you you. And those are the parts that I had to love enough to be able to leave this situation and, and to leave this relationship. So I do suggest taking the time to write down all those parts of you that you try to either disregard or you push aside or you don't like and write down, name them. Who are they? What are those identities or what are the emotions that are tied to those and write them a thank you letter, write them a thank you letter as to how they've helped you in your life up to this point, because I guarantee you each part of them has supported you in some way Mm. all the way throughout your lifetime. And the more that you can do that and and embrace every component of you, including the light, the more integrated you are as a person and the more you can completely love yourself. I love that. I love the idea of just accepting ourselves. Like why should that be so difficult? But it is. And just the acceptance is so huge. And I also love the idea of what you said about just taking some breaths and putting your hand on your heart and connecting. I think so often we go through our day so completely disconnected and it just gives you these moments of presence throughout the day to say, okay, stop, check in. I'm here. Hello. (laughs) You know, and, and 
go about your day from there. So that is just such great advice. Brittany, thank you so much. And where can we learn more about you? Thank you so much, Debbie. So you're welcome to go to my website. It's BrittanyBlomsterberg.org. And my name is quite long. So you're welcome (laughs) to look in the show notes for how to spell that. Um, But if you go to my website, you can connect with me on there and go ahead. And there's a, a link to my email on connect tab. And you're welcome to let me know if you want to have, I, I'm offering anyone who's listening to this podcast, a free 30 minute alignment session, which is just basically mm. a, a consult session and to, to be able to get some support from me as to where you are and what you're looking for. And I would be more than happy to give all your listeners that. Oh, Brittany, that's so generous. Thank you so much. And Everybody who's listening, take advantage of that. Brittany is just so wonderful. She's a gifted healer. And thank you so much for your insight and your wisdom. And I know you helped so many people who are listening today. Thank you so much. I want to thank Brittany for joining us today. I love those two exercises she gave us to reconnect and to show a little more love and acceptance to ourselves. Stay in touch with Brittany by heading over to BrittanyBlomsterberg.org. And don't worry, we'll have a link to Brittany's website in the show notes at pbtinstitute.com forward slash podcast. Here's my biggest takeaway. Your intuition is always trying to speak to you. The problem is we don't trust it and we don't listen. Strengthening, trusting, and relying on our intuition can serve us so well in every area of life. Just like a muscle, it gets stronger with practice. Be sure to connect with me on Twitter, Debbie Silber. And let us support you. Go to Facebook and join our group, Women Hacking Betrayal, where we give information, tools, and support to help you move forward and heal once and for all. Can't wait to be with you next time. And here's to your breakthrough.